You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here along with AJ Casavell, our MLB.com Padres reporter. Uh, things continue to drag along a little bit, but the Padres have made a move here in the offseason. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about some rumors and the top 10 second base prospects in baseball have been unveiled by MLB Pipeline. And the Padres' Luis Urias checking in highly on that list. So we'll get to that as well. But let's start with the news of the day, AJ, and that is that the Padres have signed Alan Craig. Remember that name, Alan Craig, to a minor league deal, spring training invite. It's a classic move where, you know, you kind of hope to get hot and, and have a guy res- have some resurgence. One thing we know, AJ, is that Alan Craig is not Eric Hosmer, right? Yeah, no, he's not Eric Hosmer, and he's not even 2013, 2015 version of Alan Craig. I'm sure the Padres would love to get that kind of guy. But uh, I think what they're ultimately looking for is they could use a right-handed bat, kind of veteran off the bench. I don't know if Alan Craig is definitely going to be that guy, but he's going to get the invite to spring training, and he's going to kind of get a chance to, to maybe prove himself as a, as a hitter, as the kind of guy who can, who can be a bat off the bench, maybe a veteran presence in the clubhouse. And so uh, it's one of those signings that I think generally in an offseason would, would fly under the radar when, when there's a lot of stuff going on. But like we've said, there hasn't been a whole lot going on of late. And so uh, it's interesting in the sense that, that I guess he'll get the chance to compete for, for a spot or for at least playing time in spring training. He's an interesting guy. He had so much success, really three great seasons with the Cardinals. He was an all-star player. Then he got traded to Boston, and it kind of all fell apart in that deal. He battled injuries in Boston, couldn't quite get the bat going. And then uh, even in, in a American League city where there was a DH possibility, obviously they had David Ortiz and then Hanley Ramirez, so that didn't work out as well. Um, I wonder if maybe just moving back to the National League and – and having happier memories of, of time in the NL can maybe help him from a mental standpoint. Yeah, it can't hurt, and a, a fresh start can't hurt either. I mean, I think uh, no, no one's expecting him to go back to that all-star caliber player, the kind of guy who can anchor a middle, middle of a lineup on a team that goes to the World Series. But uh, he's got what a lot of hitters in the Padres lineup don't have, and that's professional experience, experience against major league caliber starting pitching. And so there's something to be said for that, especially in a group of young guys who could probably benefit from, from watching a, a, a professional hitter uh, the way he approaches that bat. Yeah, even if it's just watching him during spring training and things don't work out, he could still be a, a positive, at least briefly, uh, during spring training time. All right, some other rumors. We've heard these rumors about Christian Yelich and, and a lot of different teams around the league, but certainly with the Padres a little bit as well. And it's pretty clear that Yelich wants out of Miami, uh, seems extremely disgruntled down there now that they've traded away so many of his former teammates. Um, but it just doesn't seem like... San Diego's the right fit, right? Because you're going to have to give up. At this point, the Marlins have already made the moves and saved the money. Now they're going to want a big-time load as far as prospects in return. That's the last thing the Padres want to give up. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, obviously Christian Yelich is an extremely talented player, and the Padres do have prospects, and so there's no reason for the Padres not to check in and see maybe if they could get him for what they view as a reasonable price. But uh, that being said, He's one guy. The Padres need more than one guy who's major league ready. They need more than one guy if they're going to compete in the future. They don't want to be giving up three or four guys from their farm system who could potentially impact them at the major league level down the road. And, and they're they're pretty high on what they've done with some of these uh, young prospects in terms of developing them into the type of guys who could become minor league or to become major leaguers. And so, why uh, essentially? 
why deal from your your future uh, for? I, I know Christian Yelich isn't the now. I know he's the the he, he he's a guy who's going to be there for a few years if the Padres were to acquire him. But why deal three or four guys from your future for one guy for your future and for the present? As spring training kind of gets closer and closer, you're getting into some different specific position stories up on Padres.com. Uh, shortstop being one of them, third as well. Let's get into that a little bit. Freddie Galvis, obviously, uh, they make the move to bring him over to play shortstop. Um, they've gone through a whole bunch of shortstops in recent years, but it seems like, and you write about this, Galvis is a little bit different in the spot he is in his career as opposed to guys like Clint Barmas, Alexi Ramirez, Eric Ibar. He's kind of in the prime of it right now. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of been the thing with A.J. Preller. Every year he's brought in uh, this, this stopgap option at shortstop, and the last three years I think the, the answers were underwhelming. You mentioned those guys, Ibar, Barmas, uh, Alexi Ramirez. They were all underwhelming, but that's because they were, they were guys who were in their 30s who were well past their defensive primes. Freddie Galvis is still a very good defender. There's room to there's there's room to grow at the plate. He's he's kind of a middle of the pack offensive option when it comes to shortstops, but he's a good defender. He's the type of guy who they think can help some of their young infielders, and he's not he's he's still at the high point of his career. And so it's a you, you dig a little deeper than the the fact that he's in the final year of his uh, of his contract. Um, and so on the surface, it looks like he's just another another kind of stopgap shortstop for the Padres. Dig a little deeper than that, and he's. He's gonna he's gonna help the rotation, uh, def- the starting rotation defensively in ways that these other shortstops haven't. He's gonna help some of the young hitters grow, and the Padres have made it very clear that they're very curious in watching what Freddie Galvis does this year, because they're they could be interested in, in bringing him back in the future. They're, they they could use some help in the infield. I know they have Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, as the presumed shortstop of the future. But Galvis is a guy who can play other positions, and he's athletic enough to handle other infield spots. And so, maybe Freddie Galvis and the Padres are are a nice match, and maybe they bring him back after the season. And and you know what? Maybe they don't. And that's part of the I think the attractiveness of the trade is they get a guy who's on one year. Uh, there's clear there's a clear path for Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, one of their top prospects, to come up after the season, or, or potentially in 2019. And there's also a path to potentially resign Freddie Galvis, who could who could help the Padres in the future, too. It's interesting because if he had stayed in Philadelphia, he was probably going to have to maybe move over to second base because J.P. Crawford is about ready to go. Another one of the talented young shortstops in the game for the Phillies, and then he goes to San Diego, and Fernando Tatis is coming soon, although probably, like you said, probably 2019, uh, if not very, very late in 2018. But this is truly a one-year stopgap as opposed to those other moves that Preller made when they didn't have that shortstop waiting in the wings, so this one seems to make a little more sense. Now, third base, still interesting as well, because obviously the Padres brought in Chase Headley, um, and the moment that trade was made, A.J., the thought, I think, for a lot of people was, well, it's only temporary. Chase Headley's not going to stay with the Padres. He's still there now, partially maybe because this offseason has moved so slowly. But what is the situation? Where is the team looking as far as that position goes now with, with other options as well. They've traded away some infielders, obviously Solarte, but there still seems like there's too many. Yeah, the Solarte trade makes it made the group of infielders, I guess, sustainable. Like they can go into the season with these guys if they, if they want to, but there's definitely still a chance that a guy like Headley's moved. I mean, he's got a one-year deal. He's a veteran. He's the kind of guy who can, who can 
potentially help a, a contending club as kind of a switch hitter, maybe a third base, first base option who can who can kind of back up at one or both of the spots. Um, so he's he's definitely still a candidate to be moved. And if the Padres move him, uh, what that does is is it essentially hands third base to Corey Spangenberg, who who played there for most of last season. Now I know. When uh, after Solarte was traded, uh, Spangenberg pretty much immediately called the Padres and said, "Hey, does this mean now I have to take some reps at second base because he's played there in the past too?" Uh, Solarte had previously been that swing guy between third and second. Well, now the Padres essentially told Spangenberg, "Yes, you, well, we're, we're looking at you as as that swing guy, the Solarte type uh, who can play second and third base." Um, and and I think what it comes down to at third base is the Padres have, have four guys in the infield, three of them third basemen. Uh, Headley, Spangenberg, and Christian Villanueva. And then you add Carlos Asuaje at second base. They have four guys for probably three roster spots. And the reason there's only three roster spots available, unless you want to carry seven infielders, is none of those guys can back up at shortstop. So the Padres need to find out who their backup shortstop is. And that probably leaves one of those, one of those, in, if you do the roster math, that leaves one of those four guys on the outside looking in. Now, if, if, uh, I think they'd all be roster favorites if one of them could play shortstop. But if the Padres move Headley, then I think that clears away for, for Christian Villanueva, who came up late last season and, and looked kind of impressive to serve as the backup third baseman. And Headley, obviously, the preferred move, too, because that saves the team some money in a position where there's no real need to, to pay that much money to chase Headley here in this season. So it uh, definitely makes a lot of sense. Top 10 second basemen in baseball have been unveiled, according to MLB Pipeline. Luis Urias, the young 20-year-old Padre prospect, checks in at number two. Only player ahead of him was Scott Kingery of the Phillies, who had a huge monster 2017 season and is a little closer to the big leagues than Urias. I mentioned he's only 20 years old, AJ. He's a little guy. He's 5'8", but he seems like one of these like true gritty ball players. loves to play the game, and I think he's a guy that fans are eventually going to love once they get a chance to see him. Yeah, one of the more interesting stories, I think, with Urias is uh, last year the Padres played the Astros in, in a little, or I think it was actually two years ago, in a, in a spring training exhibition series in Mexico City. And Urias met with Jose Altuve and talked to him about his leg kick. And he implemented a leg kick, added a little bit more power to his swing. But there's, there's obviously these, these – anytime there's a short second baseman who can hit comes along, people want to compare him to Jose Altuve. I don't think people in the Padres organization would be happy with that comparison. They, they obviously don't want to put too much pressure on, this, on, on a kid who's, who's 20 years old and hasn't played in the big leagues yet. But that being said, he's a, he's a very, very good hitting prospect. He can sting the ball all over the yard. I think the Padres feel in the organization that – um, he doesn't have a ton of power now, but that's something that can develop as he maybe as he as he continues to grow because he hits the ball so hard so consistently. Um, and so he's there's there's a there's a very high ceiling with Arias. It's going to be really interesting, I think, this spring to see how much time he gets. He was a big league invite last year, uh, was kind of sent down early. I think this time he sticks around for for the duration. The Padres have he's he's feasted on minor league pitching already. The Padres want to see how he fares against major league pitching, and there's. There's not a roster spot unless maybe someone gets moved. There's not a roster spot available. But that being said, they they want to see what they have in Urias, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a if he's a midseason call up. Yeah, confident guy, 20 years old, already could be in the big leagues. It's good stuff. He's currently the Padres' number three overall prospect within their system. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Padres edition for AJ Casavell. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. <laughs>